to episode six of the Next Woman Up podcast. Today we are um, having a listener edition episode. We're answering all of your sports related questions. But first, we're going to be jumping into this week's headlines. So we have an interesting end to the NBA regular season. Um, normally, we'd be welcoming the playoffs, but this year things are a bit different with Adam Silver's play-in tournament debut. So for those of you that don't know, um, the teams participating in playing games are not playoff contenders just yet. The teams who fill those number seven and eight seeds in both conferences after the games will have made the playoffs. Um, you know, the league implemented this new addition to give more teams a chance to make it kind of engage some late season excitement and then make games more meaningful. And then of course, try to curb tanking which has been kind of an issue for quite some time now. Um, so what are some things that I'll be looking for uh, during the playoffs? I hate to be so biased, but I have to talk about New York. Couldn't be more excited for the Knicks. Um, the Knicks are back. And yeah. that is like the biggest thing anyone could talk about. Right? Exactly. And of course, for me and Carly, we do have that personal connection, but I know that, the sports world is excited to see some of that MSG success since the mellow era. So, you know, after years of coaching changes and, you know, public drama with Dolan, they're finally getting a streak going. Um, they have some star players. We have Julius Randle, who's been absolutely astonishing. I recently got a chance to go to MSG and watch the Knicks Spurs game and just Truly watching this man in action, he's just a walking bucket. He either gets a bucket or goes to the line every single time. He's become a bona fide star this season. Um, he's only 26, so he'll be you know a leader for the franchise. And he's expressed that he wants to retire with the Knicks. He wants to retire as a Nick. Um, and then something interesting is we kind of see a reappearance of vintage Derrick Rose. So I like this little theme going on of seeing certain star players from the past kind of reemerge and set a path for their teams going forward. Um, one concern, though, is their lack of postseason experience. The Knicks, you know, haven't really got a chance to be that season. And, you know, when they enter, hopefully, what I hope is the second round of the playoffs, they might have to compete with a very seasoned, you know, Philly team with Embiid. And I don't think they're going to have an answer for that. But I am going to be hopeful. Um, I, I look forward to the first round. I hope to go to MSG myself. So that's something I'm looking forward to. And then another headline is something that I mentioned before, seeing some of these vintage stars. So Chris Paul, um, we've talked about this. He kind of emerged as like the sun saving grace and he's leading them to be, you know, major contenders late in the uh, playoffs, hopefully. And then we have Melo on the Blazers. This man finally found his fit. I think all fans that I've talked to at least can agree that they're happy for Melo kind of finding his niche in Rip City and so I think these vets coming and helping and mentoring these younger guys is a huge theme and I look forward to seeing how far they can go yeah definitely and uh, Sarah one of our listeners asked what you think of the play-in tournament and if you think it's a good idea um, that format um, and what they're doing right now I do. I know a lot of players are opposed to it. I know that LeBron James has made it extremely clear that he he was not a fan because his poor Lakers had to uh, had to compete in the play-in. And you know, speaking of guys, the Lakers have to be like the most dangerous seven seed like ever in history. That's going to be so exciting. Like people are even projecting. It's so ironic because they're a seven seed, right? But people are projecting that him and Davis could lead them all the way to the final. So I think that's interesting in itself. But I actually am a fan of the play-in tournament. Like why not make it more exciting? Like it's giving teams a chance. See, you know what I mean? Like the other reason why people like 
let's say the NHL playoff, anybody could win, right? But this is kind of differentiating the NBA. This is going to give teams that chance because it's one game. You know, it's one game. You either lose it and you leave or you make it and you're in. And sure. I think that's exciting. Right. It's almost like the uh, wild, what the wild card was in that. Exactly. But the exactly. That's yeah. a perfect example. Which it's so, and there's so much, uh, you know, falling on that one game. Um, and another question that we had from the listener is how far do you think the Knicks will go, um, in the playoffs, obviously, um, depending on when, if they make it in after the plan. Right. I mean, I do think their ceiling is going to be that second round exit. If they play a team like Philly, I just don't see an, I just don't see anyone guarding Embiid. Like I just don't see an answer for it. And the Knicks have these young guys who just don't really have playoff experience, unfortunately. Um, And, you know, Randall is leading the team, and, and that's great, but I just don't see them going deeper than that. But, you know, let's be hopeful. I'm going to – I'm always going to cheer for them. They're, like, my secondary team, so I wish them the best. Yeah, and there is a good future there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so then we also want to switch over to the WNBA. So, you know, I won't lie. I've never been an avid WNBA fan. Carly, I don't know about you. Have you ever gone into it? How do you feel I about it? I haven't really, like – Honestly, the past couple years is when I've heard about it more. I think um, it's come into the public eye a little more, um, which is awesome um, for the women who are playing that game, and they're super talented. Um, But I think it's definitely becoming more of a popular sport to be paying attention to, to be watching. People want to get involved in it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that um, it's something that I've been even paying more attention to, like the the publicity has drawn me in. And then there's I'm not going to lie. There's certain stars, individual stars that have drawn me in. Sure. And it, we can't talk about stars in the WNBA without talking about Sabrina Ionescu, which is, of course, she's an Oregon product. She's, you know, a Kobe protege. She was the number one overall pick in the 2020 draft after being selected by none other than the New York Liberty. So we do have a a New York theme going today, but you know, on Friday she had her first game back since suffering a sprained ankle injury that sidelined her for most of her rookie season. And what does she do? She comes out, she hits a game winning three with less than one, the Liberty and 90 to 87 win over the fever in the first game of the season. And it's, it's not even surprising at this point, right? Like, she just continues to stun us. I mean, she walked into the arena wearing the legendary number eight, a Kobe jersey before the game, and she had an interview, and she told reporters, quote, I actually am not going to lie at all. I dreamt about this last night, um, about hitting that game-winning shot to honor, of course, the late Kobe Bryant, her friend and mentor. And, you know, last night during the Liberty vs. Lynx game, she became the youngest player in WNBA history to record a triple-double. And, you know, everyone knows that Ionescu and Kobe Bryant were close family friends. She's even friends with Kobe's daughters. And, you know, one of the reporters that was talking about her career said that their friendship was born out of the dream they shared, which was to elevate women's basketball to the national level. And that's exactly what she's doing. So I think she's really fulfilling Kobe's dream and Kobe's goals. And Absolutely. she's a yeah. star. I mean, she's, probably, yeah, yeah, she's she's carrying on his legacy and and Gigi's legacy. Oh, that's what I was thinking, too. I was thinking about Gigi. And Carly, I don't know if you saw, but there was even um, – I saw some Giants players. I Saquon, uh, he was tweeting about it. Oh, he I mentioned think. her. Yeah, he was watching it. And I see so many athletes, like, recognizing her greatness, and it just makes me so happy. Yeah. It, it's And she's incredible, and it's going to be exciting to see what she can do in her career. I mean, this is – I mean, what she's doing now, it's just the beginning. Exactly. Um, So we're going to pivot and talk a little bit about the NHL. 
Um, so it's round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And um, I want to talk about first Penguins versus Islanders series. So the Penguins are the one seed and the Islanders are the four seed. The series is currently tied 1-1. This is a super exciting series with two very good teams coming out of a super competitive division. Um, personally, this is a little difficult for me to talk about. I dislike both teams as a Ranger fan, but <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you guys all about it regardless. So I think the Islanders will make this a tough series coming in as the four seed. I would not be surprised if they make a run. They're a really talented team and probably – the best four seed or the four seed that could go the farthest in the playoffs. And they can definitely keep a hot streak, a hot streak going. So that's going to be a great series to keep an eye on. I could see this going to seven games. Wow. Yes. Unfortunately. Um, well, I hate <laughs> both teams. So, Oh, whatever it is, it is. Um, I am, I have decided I'm rooting. I, I have to like root for the lightning or something. Cause <laughs> I don't, you know, it is what it is. Um, the next series we want to talk about is Washington Capitals versus the Boston Bruins. The Caps are the two seed and the Bruins are the three seed. That series is also tied at 1-1. The Bruins may have the edge in this one. It is two very good teams filled with star power. Attackman Teller Hall has been hot for the Bruins since acquiring him at the trade deadline, and he is showing no signs of slowing down. There's also a very interesting storyline here. Zendo Chara is playing against the Bruins, a team he captained for 14 years that snubbed him in free agency. It's going to be interesting. It's a little revenge tour situation there. And, of course, there's bound to be some excitement with Tom Wilson, who's a little hot with the hands, and Brad Martian on the ice. Next series that we're going to talk about is um, the Hurricanes versus the Preds. Kings are the one seed and the Preds are the four seed. Carolina leads that 1-0. I don't see this even going to a game six. The Kings are too talented compared to the Preds. The Preds are going to need way more than just grand effort to win this series, and I don't see them doing it. Next, we're going to talk about Panthers Lightning. Panthers are the two seed, and Lightning are the three seed, but Tampa Bay leads 2-0 here, and Tampa Bay are the defending Stanley Cup champions, and they're looking good so far in this series after playing and winning two games on the road. The Lightning have been a talented team all year and recently got back Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos just in time for the playoffs, which makes them even better on the ice. Next series that I want to discuss is the Colorado Avalanche um, versus the St. Louis Blues. The Avalanche are the one seed and the Blues are the four seed. Colorado leads this series 1-0. The Avalanche have been dominated, but you can't count out the 2019 champs with a team that is still pretty intact. If the Blues have any edge against the Avalanche, it's between the pipes with netminer Jordan Biddington, who was the starter during the Blues' 2019 championship run. Knights versus Wild. Knights is the two seed and the Wild is three seed. That series is tied 1-1 currently, and the Wild has put on an impressive and surprising performance this season, but I don't think they're good enough to beat the Knights. The Knights are a battle-tested team that have had success since their inaugural season in 2017. And the um, we're going to pivot to the Canadian teams. So the Leafs are the one seed versus the Habs, which are the four seed. The very historic series between two Canadian rivalries. This is the first time in 42 years that these teams will face each other in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So there's a lot riding on this for those fans. Um, Montreal will need quite a bit to go their way to win this. Um, their best bet is to slow down Toronto's top six forward group from scoring 
the Leafs are very creative in their scoring attacks, and they have too many ways of scoring. And once they get their power play going, this will be a short series. And the last series that I'm going to touch on are the Oilers versus the Jets. Oilers are the two seed, the Jets are the three seed. Oilers, of course, have Connor McDavid, which we have to talk about. He's arguably the best player in the game. The Jets don't have a lot going for them right now, and they have slid down the stretch. And another statistic that is to look at here is the Oilers have won seven out of nine meetings against the Jets this year. So um, unless the Jets – I mean, of course, anything can happen with, uh, with the Jets here, but the Oilers seem to have the leg up. And that is our recap of round one so far with the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out. Um, we're going to stay in the hockey world um, and talk about some women in sports news. The Devils named former U.S. women's national hockey team captain Megan Duggan to uh, manager of player development. And Duggan is believed to be the first openly gay person to work in hockey operation in the NHL. So not only a woman, but a gay woman as well. So really breaking some barriers there, which is awesome. Um, she said in, to ESPN, I'm looking forward to getting to work and adding value in an area that I've committed my entire life to. She said, but I also hope people see this and realize there's a space for those who haven't traditionally been in these roles, women or BIPOC community members. There's a, there's a space for that. Times are definitely changing and I'm excited to be part of it. Of course, Duggan herself, she's now 33, but you know, she was a former player. She retired in October after a 14 year stint with the national team, which included seven gold medals. Um, and three Olympic medals, silvers in 2010 and 2014, and a gold medal in 2018. She's a decorated champion herself, so it's nice to see her kind of paving the way for that community. Yeah, absolutely, and it'll be great to see a woman in that role. I think women are you know, slowly breaking into front office roles in the NHL as well, which is really good to see. Yeah, and that's something that um, Coach Lowe touched on, and Carly, you mentioned um, when I asked about why the Bucks organization – was such a good one to work for and why they were kind of a proponent of women in football roles. Um, Coach Lowe and you had said that um, the women in charge and the Bucks organization were kind of speaking up and were leaders. So I think putting women in those leadership positions translates to more roles that, you know, do honor them. Absolutely. And I think it, you know, in the player development role specifically, that's, I mean, at least from my experience um, in the NFL, it's normally a male who played because the thought is, well, they can relate to players best, but you know, that's not necessarily the case. You know, a woman who played could do just as good, a good of a job and may bring a different perspective to the role. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, women's hockey, I've only seen a few games in college, but I was always impressed. And um, I know at my school, there was, uh, there was, there was hockey teams that had both men and women. And of course, women were a minority. And I just think they're some of the toughest athletes out there. And I really admire them. Badasses. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, that's our current events for the week. Um, we're going to get into our listener questions. So I'm going to ask Sarah first. Um, this is a little bit fun. We're going to do kind of like a rapid fire. Um, and we'll get these questions answered for you guys. So first question from one of our listeners is, who are the future Hall of Famers playing in the NBA right now? And what makes those guys great in their own way? And I could go through every single team and probably name at least one person, maybe not for every team, but for most of them. But I'll just talk about the ones that stick out in my head. 
I mean, without question, you have the stars in the NBA, right? You have the ones that have transcended the game themselves. So Curry, of course, he's changed the way we look at shooting and then just the way he was this underdog narrative, brought it to the league, and now he's, you know, a shining star, has carried the Warriors franchise. You have LeBron, who's one of the all-time greats, has been put with the likes of uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. So you have people like that. Then, of course, you have your seasoned vets who will get in, you know, sooner rather than later, like a Chris Paul and then, you know, the recently retired Vince Carter, uh, people like that. So those are kind of the names that stick out in my head. Um, To go along with this rapid-fire format, Carly, I was thinking we can kind of go back and forth. So who would you say are your top three QBs of all time? So funny enough, I actually did a project on this in college. Um, and I don't think the answers have changed really. Tom Brady came out at number one, which is not surprising. Um, I would say I would put Peyton Manning number two, and then I'd put Joe Montana at number three. Um, Tom Brady, obviously, arguably is the best quarterback. Like, you can't argue against that. There's no way. Um, that's an obvious thing. Um, Peyton Manning, I would say, was second just because of all he accomplished as an individual um, passing records and also, you know, on top of it, rings and MVPs. And then third would be Joe Montana, who had an incredible career with San Francisco. And that was even before the NFL was a passing league. You know, you see these guys breaking so many records. You know, Drew Brees, of course, is a future Hall of Famer, but he played at a time where he was able to um, break all those passing records. Um, whereas Montana, it had not the league had not become a passing league quite yet. Um, so it's very impressive what he did, all the championships he won, et cetera. Um, so those would be my top three. Um, I think there's obviously um, room for discussion in the, the three spot or two spot even, but Tom Brady has to be ranked at number one. You just can't argue it. But who's – you mentioned Peyton Manning in that group, but who's your favorite Manning? Why well, I'm an Eli hater. I'm so sorry to say that. Are you? I am. I can't wow. say Peyton is like I like Peyton better. I yeah. always was cynical at Eli. Like I listen, thank you for everything he has done. <laughs> like the two rings. Like I cried after those Super Bowls. Like they they still gives me chills and like but I was so cynical of him always, you know. I was always really hard on Eli as a fan. Wow. Uh, I didn't know that you felt that way. Very, 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 um, very hard on him as a fan. Um, like I always like wanted him to prove me wrong. Right. Like that I should have faith, you know, and he did. Um, and of course though, as much as like a cynic as I was toward him when he retired, I was watching his retirement press conference and I was like really emotional. Yeah. So I was like, that's my quarterback. Like, that's who we grew up with, you know? Exactly. That's why I asked you such a big part of our childhood and yeah. all of, like, the Giants glory so, years. Right. So, like, even though, like, I am cynical about him, I, I you know, when he retired, I was like, that's my guy. <laughs> so. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> um, all right, Sarah. So we're going to go back to the NBA playoffs because that is a hot topic. Our listeners want to know about it. Um, who is going to make it out of the West in the playoffs and who's going to make it from the East? You know, this you is look something- stressed. <laughs> <laughs> I actually am stressed because let me tell you why. 
I've been asked this question just by friends over the past week countless times. And I do think it's too early to tell out of the East because it's going to be a crowded race. Like for once, the East is actually competitive with the because of the offseason. And, you know, like the 76ers finished with the best in the East. But let's go... Let's go nuts. The nuts will make out of the East. All uh, right. That's on recording. We'll see what happens. <laughs> and for the West, I'll go Jazz. I think the Jazz will make it to the finals. And and I welcome anyone that's – I can hear people echoing in my head, like echoing to me that it's going to be the Lakers, which I said are probably like the most dangerous number seven seed in history. But, you know, that's why I think we'll make it. But And then like a little thing that I want to predict from now, I think the most exciting upset – in the playoffs will be I predict that the number six seed the Blazers will beat the number three Nuggets. All right. Let's go with that as one of my bold predictions. Let's see what soon. happens. Yeah. Let's go with that. We have it on record. We'll, I'll follow we have it on follow record. Up. We're gonna have to follow up with this and see what what actually happens and see if Sarah's predictions are right. Yeah. Um okay so Carly. Yeah. What are your thoughts on women in combat sports like UFC, boxing, jujitsu? I think it's cool. Like, I have no – I mean, I would never do it, but I think it's awesome. <laughs> and I think, you know, that women are – you know, like, the publicity side of this as well. Like, women are becoming more of, like, icons in those sports, especially UFC. Um, yeah. And I think it's really awesome. Um, and, uh, I mean, go for it, girl. Like, if that's what you want to do, go for it. I could never, but, like, God, they're tough as shit. Yeah. And I respect it. And I, you know, I say, uh, you can't say like a sport is, you can't, you know, you can't be hypocritical and say, well, football is not just a man's sport. And then say like, you know, well, UFC is just a man's sport. Right. Like if a woman wants to go and do it, like do it girl. You know what I mean? But have you, do you think this is something you'll ever become a fan of? Like, could you picture yourself on like a Saturday night I, watching this? I can respect the athleticism the toughness, the strate- the strategy and strength that this takes. Right. The minute it gets, like, bloody or, like, pe- I can't. I just I can't. can't. Like, and also, like, with the head injury stuff, like, that really bothers me. Me too. It's so graphic. It's like And that's, like, a big I – fi- I think it's a big issue with those sports. I mean, jujitsu is a little different. Yeah. Um, but true. UFC and boxing, like, they take headshots, and I think that's super dangerous. I think so, too. So that's that. Um, And now something that's kind of exciting is another topic to touch on. Um, The future of live sporting events with new CDC mask guidelines. How do you think that's going to carry out in the postseason for, like, the NBA and for other teams? Yeah, so I think – well, I think teams are going to – I mean, you already see it in Texas and Atlanta, baseball stadiums going full capacity. Yeah. Um, I I have a couple thoughts on this. I think teams are going to want to go full capacity if they can because they're making up from lost revenue last year. I think baseball is the one who is really going to push that because baseball needs butts and seats more than other major sports. A majority of their revenue is gate revenue because they do have so many games. Um, and they really, really hurt last year. Um by not having fans. Um, I also think, I mean, I think it depends on how like get season ticket holders might approach it. Like, um, like some fans might not care. Some fans might be apprehensive now. And that's, right. just, you know, obviously this is all uncharted territory. So we don't really know how it's going to go, but I think 
I think um, teams are going to look to make things full capacity if they can because they need to make up for last year. And it's so interesting because just the way things are changing. When I went to the Knicks game recently, I'm online. The security guard comes up to me, my sister, and he's like, give me your license and your vaccination cards, which we gave him. And it was just, like, weird to hear that. And we had to answer, like, this little questionnaire before we were allowed to get into the arena about, like, had we been exposed to anybody and, like, yada, yada, yada. And so, like, our our vaccination cards are actually going to be as important as as RDs now. Yeah, which is – and it's, like, a crazy way – it's, like, almost, like, some sort of, like, sci-fi movie. Yeah. Like, futuristic movie. Yeah. Yeah. so bizarre. Absolutely. Um, So we'll see how that plays out. But I think baseball is going to really try to capitalize on that the most because they have lost the most um, with uh, the gate revenue. For sure. Um, And then now a really exciting topic that I love talking about. What are you, are you excited about the upcoming Summer Olympics? Who do you want to watch? What are you going to tune into? Um, I'm so excited. I, okay. I love the Olympics and I, it's like, it was so sad last summer. I wouldn't have it. Um, I know. um, Obviously um, love watching gymnastics and our U S women's team is, has been great. Um, for many years um obviously Simone Bile is the one to watch um and she's just incredible it's going to be so fun to watch her again and also you know that now she's like kind of in the limelight more like you kind of like know her a little more as like her personality and stuff and you can't yeah. help but like her she's so likable she's such a star and like I remember like the first time we ever heard of her and we saw her I was like who is this girl like she just like kind of stepped into the spotlight and I was like wow and and now she's like a household name as she should be she's literally incredible I mean I literally I remember one time I was watching a TikTok and I saw a girl out of UCLA talking about what it's like to compete against someone Biles and she was like how am I supposed to literally go and have confidence and compete with that like that's that's crazy to think about for competitors it is wild it is wild so someone that I didn't know about, but I was reading about um, yeah. in a sport I don't normally watch is wrestling, Adeline Gray. Uh, she's a five-time world champion, and uh, and she's had some difficulty getting to the Olympics. She failed to qualify in 2012, um, but she's made it made qualified this year, so it's going to be interesting to see a five-time world champ and um, finally be able to be in the Olympics and see if she, you know, um, steps up to the stage and, um, you know, impresses. So it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, I'm not a big wrestler person, but I think, like, talking about women in these kind of sports is important. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's something you touched on that I think is really important to think about is you mentioned that, like, she's been trying to disqualify for a while. Like, sometimes it's one thing to – because I feel like in the context of the Olympics, we always talk about people training, like, for the Olympics. But then I forget about the, the training that goes into just qualifying on its own. It's like, how crazy is that? Like, it's right. just unbelievable what it's they have to go It's through. so much work. They put in so much work. And yeah. the fact that you could put so much work and then not even qualify. I know. And then you have to wait another four years. Right. It's like, that's crazy. It really is. Um, another name that we want to talk about that we're excited to see is Katie Ledecky. You've probably heard of her before. Um, she won gold at age 15 in 2012, and she got four more golds in 2016. She it could possibly win five events in Tokyo, um, which is absolutely crazy. Um, she's super impressive, and we've heard about her for a while, and the fact that 
she's still fairly young. Um, yeah. She's going to be awesome to watch. For sure. And the next woman that we want to talk about, she's pretty known, um, Megan Rapinoe, um, who will be competing with the U.S. women's soccer team. A fan um, favorite, I'd say. She is? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, I am excited to watch this whole team. I'm excited to watch her, um, of course, in their um, World Cup championship run. Like, she was the face of that team and it's just a great personality, a great player. It's going to be fun to watch her. For sure. Um, and then we have Ross. She's a silver and bronze medalist at the last two Olympics with two different partners. Um, took a chance on Kleiman, who was kind of unproven underdog after splitting with the legendary Carrie Walsh Jennings in 2017. And the team is now ranked number two in the world. While Walsh Jennings and new partner Brooke Sweat battle for the second and final U.S. Olympic berth, so that'll be interesting to watch. It's going to be interesting to see these women with new partners and see um, how that changes their game. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious just about the chemistry. Like, I feel like working with just one other person. Because, like, Carly, I don't know about you. I think this is true for you as well. I've only played team sport, you know, a bunch of people. I've never done, like, I've never played, like, tennis or volleyball just Agreed. a team of two. So I don't know what that's like to split with one person after so long. Yeah, I, I don't know what it's like either, right? It's the difference between having chemistry with multiple people and having perfect chemistry with that one person. Right. I guess the only thing, like, you you know, in a team sport that maybe you could think of a couple things you could think about where it's like that connection is key. Um, you know, number one wide out and a quarterback, a pitcher and a catcher, those kind of roles, but you know, you're still interacting with our team players. Exactly. Um, and then, uh, Serena Williams will be competing, um, in tennis, obviously, which will be, um, super exciting to watch anytime you can watch Serena it is great I mean I don't not a big tennis fan but if she's playing I'm watching yeah that's you couldn't have said any better like she's the one name that always attracts me like I can't tell you how much I admire this woman just on and off the court as a mother a wife how she advocates for social justice her brand she's just a class act all around 100% yeah and the last um woman that we're looking forward to seeing in Tokyo is Asia Wilson. Um she will be playing with the um US women's basketball team. Um she was too young for the Olympic radar in 2016 when she was a rising junior at South Carolina. She's guided by the now US national team head coach Dawn Staley. Um and since then she's been named the NCAA tournament most outstanding player in 2017, WNBA rookie of the year in 2018 and WNBA MVP in 2020. So definitely a very impressive resume and it's going to be fun to see her um, play in the Olympics and add to that resume, hopefully. For sure. Um, we could end it on a, a kind of a really fun question that I really, I think it's, I think it's this was from one of our listeners it was, if you had to choose date, marry, kill between the NFL, NBA, and NHL, Carly, what are your thoughts? All right. You, you, I might feel a little surprised by my answer. Um, I, sorry, kill the NBA. I just don't care. Oh, um, my God. Are you sorry. serious? That's I'm who serious. you would kill? Um, I'd date the NFL. Okay. And I'd marry the NHL, which You'd, is a surprise. Wow, that's actually really shocking. Why I know. Would you, why? Those guys are like 
you know, the toughest athletes, and I just, like, respect the hell out of them. I see, I love the NFL, and we'd have a very nice relationship, but I would marry the NHL. And and then, of course, we have to talk about the MLB. I would friend zone them. You know, they're very, <laughs> they're very sweet, and, you know, it's nice, and they play in good weather, and all this good stuff, but I'd have to put them in the friend zone, but I'd want to talk to them. They're my friend. Wow. They didn't even, they're not even good enough to be a contender. They're just like totally out of it. I'd friends on them. Yeah. Okay. I know my answer is will blow your mind. So I'd, I'd, you know, I'd marry the NBA. Obviously. I'd want that lifelong relationship with someone who works so perfectly with me and holds the same values. Um, (laughs) And tall people. Yeah. I'd. (laughs) I Carly's like oh yeah you Carly's like you Anthony Davis looking right. guys our friend <laughs> let's just let's just quickly let's just quickly delve into this for five seconds okay for anybody listening I'm five eight Carly how tall are you five three and three quarters okay great so we have a friend group that we've had since high school and we all of our friends are about like five five one and I'm five you eight. are by far the tallest the tallest so like we go out and it's just like I'm consistent davis of this friend group and it's okay and i've accepted it for what it is but this is just this is just our friend group so i'd marry the nba i definitely date the nfl because like i'd want to have that like fun like relationship with them like, i don't want commitment it's, it's fun it's right it's, it's yeah it's fun there's a lot yeah. of publicity yeah i just wouldn't the want time. the commitment in the end you know like i wouldn't bring them home to my parents but we would we'd still have like a good time sure. and then the nhl like definitely killing them like wouldn't even like i probably if they dm me like i wouldn't even answer like i'd show it to you as a joke and we'd laugh about it but i wouldn't answer it like i wouldn't even dignify it with a response oh, you'd be like what the fuck is this canadian doing <laughs> hitting me up like i would like i we make a joke about it and then i would just never respond so that would be that's why yeah <laughs> So now, yeah. Well, that was fun. Thank you to that listener for this. This was fun. That was amazing. Um, All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed our episode and that we um, answered your questions and that you got some good information. Um, We will see you next week. Um, You know where to find us. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And, of course, you can always email us at nextoneuppod at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Bye.